Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast. This is a podcast for leaders in many areas of life. Pastors, teachers, business owners, employers, moms and dads. Those of us who struggle with unanswered questions, can't seem to find the time to get it all done, wonder if what we're doing is making a difference. Leaders who battle depression, anxiety, and even mental illness. Real people like you and me who find ourselves leading real people. We're imperfect and we know it. I'm Scott Neal, your host. This is episode three. I'm especially excited to have on this episode one of my favorite people in the entire world, Anna Coker. Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast, Anna. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so glad you are. This is uh, hopefully one of many recordings that we'll be able to do. Uh, I'd like to have you as a recurring guest on our podcast as often as possible. I know your schedule is very busy and uh, we'll get into some of that in a few minutes. But uh, so many different things I want to talk with you about over the next few months, and Mm -hmm. we'll jump into one of those subjects today and get started. We may return to it on a later podcast because there's just so much there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to have you here. Listen, um, let me let the kind of listeners know a little bit about our history. Sure. Anna is a great friend to me and to my wife, Lana. It's always a treat sitting down and speaking with her. Anna and I connected for the first time a few years ago when we were doing a series on happiness Mm. at Forest Park. You remember that? I do. And Amber, our creative pastor, called Anna and said, would you be willing to be our guest on a Sunday morning and talk through happiness? And Hmm. of course, Anna agreed, and we've been friends ever since. Yes. Now, for those listening who have no idea who you are or even why they should listen to you, <laughs> um, can you give us a little bit about what you do today? And then sure. we'll back up and kind of go back to the history. But what, what, uh, what, what do you do in our community, and who are you, and why should people even care what you have okay. to say? Okay. Well, I am the owner of a private counseling practice in town. Uh, Northeastern Professional Counseling, and I am a therapist. So I'm a licensed professional counselor and right. a licensed clinical addiction specialist, yeah. and I'm also a coach. Right. So and how I, long have you been doing that here in the EC? So about 10 years. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just residency and fully licensed, all of right. it, about 10 years. Right. And you have a very full schedule. Ooh, very full <laughs> schedule, yes. You see one healthy person after another. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as Anna mentioned, she's a therapist, sees a lot of people, uh, an addiction specialist. There's just so many different roads we could go down today and get into a lot of things that I enjoy discussing and talking about leadership and some of the struggles that leaders go through, mm. and we'll do that in the next few months as we get into things. But today, a little special because this is the first time you're with us. Mm. I'd like to speak or talk to you a little bit about your family and sure. kind of how you got to where you are, and then we'll get into our subject for today. So if you will, just just take a moment or two and tell us a little about your family. I know you're proud of them and you love yes. them, so let, let our listeners know a little bit about your family. Very much. Um, so the reason I'm even in North Carolina is because I met my husband at a concert where I actually tripped over his foot. Okay. And that was in Norfolk, Virginia, but he has lived here most of his life. Okay. So you tripped over his foot at a concert. I did. And you guys hit it off. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was about a year and a half later that I moved down here mm-hmm. after we met. And we got married, and five years later, we got pregnant with our son, yeah. which was unexpected, 
but the best thing that's ever happened to us. Well, and his name? Dan Coker. Right. And your son? Joel. Joel. He's most precious. <sighs> and um, Dan is a lot of the reason why I have been successful hmm. at what I'm doing. He is a bit of the brains of the operation, okay. um, as well as the blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, he basically allowed me to practice in our home, and then he built me an office in our home, and then he anything I've done since then, he's just been 100% supportive. Wow. So it's a huge piece of why I'm successful. Right. So how, how you, you began talking about how you got started at your home right mm -hmm. and how long were you there again so I actually did it part-time in my home for four years wow. and then two years ago I moved into a commercial space in downtown Elizabeth City right so four years in your home yes. having people come and providing counseling for them and yes. therapy and then he encouraged you hey go out on your own he did make this full-time mm -hmm. and fulfill your dream pursue it Part of the dream is to add other therapists, coaches, maybe even a psychiatrist mm. that have the similar vision that I do. Right. And you, know, you can't do all of that in your home. Sure. And so he said, well, step one is to go somewhere else <laughs> and, awesome. and open up the space. Wow. Okay. Well, how did you get started um, mm. pursuing therapy? Why did you do that? Um, Do you have a few hours? <laughs> yeah. Well, help help us, uh, you know, understand how you got from where you were to where you sure. are today. Why why therapy? And then what's the first step? There may be some people out there listening who goes, you know, I'd love to do that. Sure. How do I even get started with that? So give us a little history. So I actually didn't even understand what a therapist or a counselor was. I grew up in the you know 70s, 80s, 90s, and therapy wasn't exactly mainstream in our rural area. Um, but between 17 and 27, I went through some of the most difficult times of actually, really when I left. So around 26, hmm. um, I started facing some of the most difficult times of my life. And there was a part of me that knew I wanted to help other people because whatever I had received, I felt like I wanted to give that away and teach it because it had given me so much freedom. Right. So I wanted to help others get free hmm. and stop suffering. Um, come to find out, <laughs> after one of the most difficult times of my life and I was a complete mess, I decided to go be a counselor. Right. <laughs> But during my schooling, I got so much healing and freedom that um, it really is what I'm able to offer my clients today. Right. So you not only are offering advice and wisdom and counsel, um, but, you, but that's all coming from a place that used to be very broken inside yes. of you. And you receive healing. And then out of that healing, you're giving it to other people. You were in bondage. You've been set free. You're trying Correct. to help other people yeah. be set free. I think that's that's what makes you as successful as you mm. are, because you're. When I speak with you, there's an authenticity there. There's a realness there, mm. and you don't often find that with sure. professional counselors. Mm. You know, uh, not an insult to other counselors, yeah. but I've been around many saying. of them, and I've spoken with many of them. And I feel like I can have a conversation and really understand where people are coming from. 
Yes, absolutely. And it helps to know that what I'd like to be hearing from the couch. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, that, that's what I notice when I speak with you mm-hmm. is just the sense of uh, empathy that yeah. you have. You know, sure. there's not a, um, a sense of, wow, you, you, you really are messed up. It's more of a, <laughs> I understand, mm-hmm. you know, from where you're coming and I've been there. Yeah. And there's freedom. There's hope for you. I think yes. that's the thing that I th- that that is just uh, uh, attractive for people to come to your office and receive the the counsel. Is that there's a sense of, okay, you're 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 not okay. Yeah. And it's okay. Right. That you're not okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to stay there forever. There's hope for you. Yeah. There's healing for you. So let's get started on this journey. Yes. And, I, and that is just so refreshing mm-hmm. for people to know that no matter where they are, no matter how broken their life is, no matter how far back um, they are, there's hope. There is. And you and you provide that. Yeah. And it's coming from a place because you've been there. For sure. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, okay, so you weren't even thinking about counseling Mm-mm. and then you went through this broken period in your mm-hmm. life. And maybe we'll get into that at an, on another sure. podcast, just For what sure. that looked like and how you how you became so broken. Mm-hmm. You received hope and healing from other counselors. Yes. And then you went to school. Yes. And you said, okay, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Yep. Right. And then you started <laughs> in your home and then you moved to full. And when you went full time, I remember when you went full time. Yes. Because I saw it all over Facebook and just advertising and things. Yes. You immediately filled up your schedule, which was pretty exciting. You know the the leap from working for someone else and having that safety net and you know a steady paycheck, no matter how many people came to see you, right? To trusting that you have something that other people want right. enough to pay for it. Yeah, it's a little scary, but yeah. it was pretty amazing. Now today, you I would imagine you have to probably turn down some clients because you're just full all the time i do or you know if people want to wait a couple months then they wait right but we also have other therapists in our office now which is exciting right um kaylee burns is amazing she is sees kids and teenagers as well as she's really has a passion for couples that's, that's more of her specialty for sure right um i also know though she also has a passion for couples okay and where would you say your specialty is? Mine? Yeah. Um, What's your sweet spot when it comes to counseling? If you could do it all day in this particular area, uh, what would it be? Probably talking about what we're talking about today. Oh, good. Yeah, which is boundaries. Right. Specifically with women. Okay. I absolutely love helping women change their perspective so they can stop suffering in their everyday mm-hmm. life. Okay, well, hey, let's open that up. <laughs> okay. uh, it's uh, certainly a, a, a topic I love talking with you about, these yeah. boundaries. And it is also um, helpful to leaders because mm, often time. leaders do not put boundaries around them. Yeah. And I know for a long time, as, as I began uh, leading a church and um, you know building teams and letting people into my life and me getting into their lives, I, because of the the um, you know, a, an attempt to follow Jesus and to be loving and compassionate to all people. I didn't yeah. have many boundaries, sure. And I allowed a lot of people to get very close, mm. and not all of those people cared about me. Mm. And many of them took and and didn't give back. And I, I just assumed that was the way it was supposed to be. And sure. So I think there's some people listening. I know there are people listening, 
and who, who can benefit greatly from this. So let's, let's begin this conversation with just a simple definition. Sure. What is a boundary? So I like to use a metaphor to describe boundaries, and that is think about the boundary of your home. So mm-hmm. if you think about your house boundary, um, your property line. Okay. Your property is yours, and there is a point at which that ownership ends, and then the whatever's beyond that is like public place. Right. So anybody can kind of fill in those areas. Um, but beyond your property line, you really have to invite someone in. Um, or you just allow anyone and everyone on your property. So as a boundary in your yard serves to keep or allow the, the, the people who you want to come in mm-hmm. and keep the people maybe who are there to harm you or whatever. Sure. That's why you have a fence and a property line, etc. You need to do this in your personal life. Uh, yes, in every area. Okay, give, give me some examples. So areas of life, marriage, emotions, psychologically, um, with our children, with our boss, if we're an employee, I mean, if we are a boss, then with our employees, um, even you as a pastor with the people in your church, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, a boundary isn't one way. A boundary goes both ways. But one person has to set the precedent to say, this is the original boundary. And if we need to discuss that boundary, that's something we can do. All right, let, let's, um, let's give some examples, very specific in marriage. Because okay. I think a lot of people listening going, how do you have a boundary? I mean, you're, you're, you live together, you sleep together, you're in each other's lives every day. How does a husband set a boundary for his wife? How does a wife set a boundary for her husband? How is that possible? So I think if I could go back when you said original definition. So Mm -hmm. let's give a little bit of a definition and then let's apply that to marriage. So a boundary is basically where you're not allowed to necessarily cross into my personal space without me inviting you, right? Mm -hmm. So um, now this is really going deep really quickly, but I'm going to pull it back from this and go a little bit less deep but you know i have had people ask me how could you be raped in your marriage Mm. like you know you're supposed to have sex with your spouse and i like to explain that just because you are supposed to quote unquote have sex in your marriage doesn't mean that you get to have sex with them if it's uninvited or unwanted Mm. so in that way that's a that's a boundary but in another way, and like let's let's go to cooking because that's <laughs> okay. We jumped we... quickly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we sure yeah, did. That was... that's a... Okay, it's all related. That's what I was saying. Yeah, we might sure. go really deep, but I'm going to pull it back. <laughs> Good. Um, you know, because cooking cooking is something that we do every day, sometimes three times right. a day. I am not a cook. Okay. Um, I'm a fish stick, macaroni and cheese <laughs> kind of person. Right. So when I am actually trying to cook something, my husband may want to come on in and take over and tell Mm. me how to do it. And if I haven't invited him, he's crossed my boundary. Mm. And then it's my... I don't think a lot of people see it that way Mm -hmm. in marriage. Sure. I think there's almost a sense of, uh, you mentioned it in in the uh, sexual environment. Mm Mm-hmm. 
we, you know, when we walk down an aisle and we said, I do, then, hey, all boundaries are gone. So yeah. I can come into your life anytime I want. Mm. I can spend your money. Right. It's our money now. Sure. Um, you know, um, and you're saying that's, that's not true. No, yeah. it's not. Because I'm still a me mm-hmm. within the we. Right. I'm still that's an individual good. person. And for someone to cross someone else's boundary consistently, especially in the most intimate of situations, says, I am not an individual anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's never true because that other person could actually not be there the next day. Right. And then what do I have? You know, if you as an individual haven't continued developing and growing and pursuing and, you know, challenging yourself as an individual human being, accomplishing what you're here to accomplish and contribute, then first of all, you don't actually offer your spouse a hundred percent of a person, but then you aren't able to be a hundred percent of a person if you lose your spouse. So the more I allow someone to infiltrate my everyday living and just allow them to tell me how they think I should be living, I'm losing myself or I'm forgetting who I am and who I was when we first got together. So if Dan likes to come in, which he may have done a few times, you know, to try to tell me how to cut something or I should do this or that, I can start to get really frustrated and like, just let me figure it out. Mm-hmm. But if I've invited him into the kitchen to say, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Please help me. Then he's not crossing a boundary. I've invited him onto my property. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So even though, you know, husband and wife um, are a we, they remain a me. Yes. And that they should never lose sight of themselves as an individual person. Yeah. Would you say in all, in all the counseling that you provide that that's, a, that's, a, that's an issue a lot? In a marriages? lot. So it, what happens is, I'm just repeating this back to make sure I understand it, is a wife or a husband, and it's not always on the, from the perspective of a woman losing the me. Correct. That they lose sight of who they are as individuals. They become supposedly they become one and sure. often that's not really a one <laughs> the way scripture talks about right. it is the way I would present it sure um she no longer has an opinion because what he wants to do is what happens every time and well yeah. we're one that's, that's not a that's, that's not a one I don't I'm you not know. an expert in the bible I just don't feel like that's what god was saying not at all yeah okay that's what i'm saying it's it they, we cloak that there's a yeah. lot of um what I would consider spiritual abuse yes. in that, in mm. taking a scripture and saying, well, we're one now, which basically means what I want to do, uh, we're going to do because sure. we're one now. And they lose sight of the individual opinions, ideas, tastes, yes. desires. So even though you become we together, you need to remain separate. And that I would say that's a that's a fine line boundary to, to keep. Um, is it fair to say that each individual person would need to be pretty healthy mm. to maintain that, right? <laughs> yes. So what can happen is codependence can be created. <clears throat> so there is a difference between low-functioning codependent and a high-functioning codependent. Right, let's, let's define codependence. Sure. The 
I feel like the most clear way to explain codependence is I will change my behavior, my feeling, or my thoughts based on if I feel like that's going to make you react in a way that I don't mm. want you to react. Hmm. So, so if I know that this is going to make you upset, it could be, a, a, it could be a, a choice of a restaurant. Yeah. It could be a vacation spot. Mm-hmm. It could be a movie. I'm going to change what I really want to do mm-hmm. and maybe not say it yep. or act as if, I, oh, I want to see that movie too. Yep. Only because I'm attempting to control your anger. Correct. So in some ways, codependency, codependency the way you've defined it, is um, maybe a low level of manipulation. Oh, codependents are some of the best manipulators mm-hmm. on the planet. And then they would, they, and I make it sound like I don't ever struggle with this, <laughs> we. We all do, uh, I right, think. <laughs> um, would probably clothe that in a sense of well I'm just trying I'm I'm the good person here yeah trying to keep us from arguing mm-hmm. trying to provide what it is you know he wants or she wants but in reality you're behind the scenes controlling this person correct so you end up then also resenting that this whole marriage has been based on how you want it and how you need it to be so that you feel great and loved and all of your desires are met. When the reality is, is the codependent never chose to go down the journey of standing up for themselves and saying, this is what I want in this relationship. So that would be the answer as to how did this couple who who've been married for 25 years decide mm. to, he just walks out one day. Right. And then you sit sure. down and talk with her and she says, I didn't even really realize there was a problem. Yeah. And then you go back, how, how did you have not know there's a problem? And what's happened is maybe the man has just given in to what it oh, is his wife yeah. has wanted for years. All these years, just to avoid an argument. Just to avoid an argument. Yes. But he thinks he's being virtuous. Correct. And the reality is he's been manipulating and then it just blows up. He can't handle it anymore. Right. He's actually been hiding the truth. Wow. And when someone's hiding the truth, how can you work through that? You can't. You know, the only reason counseling works is because people tell me the truth. Right. As ugly as the truth can be. Yeah. So, you know, this is an example of, I actually want to turn it around and talk about how women can cross the man's boundary. Okay. You know, I, I work with a lot of women who say my husband does, doesn't do anything around the house. Um, I feel like he's a third child. Uh, you know, a lot of those mm-hmm. examples where it just feels like, yeah, I just have a husband who goes to work, comes home and gets on his iPad and ignores mm-hmm. the family. Mm-hmm. When I dig a little bit of deeper or I speak with the husband, I hear this theme a lot. Well, if I try to do anything, my wife comes behind me comes behind me and tells me I should have done it this way or I should have done it that way or never mind, I'll do it. Mm. She crosses his boundaries. A husband or a man is not going to give your children a bath in the same way that you're going to. They're not going to put your children to bed the same way that you would. They're not going to make dinner, make the bed, do the laundry, vacuum the house in the same way that you would. 
what I want to say to these ladies is who cares how he does it? It's getting done. But, you know, if we continuously cross their boundary and say, well, you're not me and you're not doing it the way I would do it, no wonder they're sitting on the couch completely disengaging. It's a boundary that is crossed way too often. And then they're punished for it. So Mm, it's a no win. We can do that with our children. And um, we can do that in in the office Mm -hmm. and in almost almost any relationship. Friends can be codependent on one another. Yes. Okay. So how do we establish these boundaries? I have two questions. Mm -hmm. I have a lot, but a couple we'll talk about. One, um, a couple just gets married. They're hearing this. They're newlyweds. Mm -hmm. They're getting ready to be married maybe in a few months or a year. And they go, okay, I want to. I want to establish some very good boundaries at the beginning. Mm-hmm. How would you advise this uh, new wife, new husband, or soon-to-be-married couple to begin establishing boundaries at the beginning? So in the very beginning, things feel very like, hey, no problem. I love that you love to do that. And I love that you love to do that. Right. And, you know, we feel very fluffy. Right. So a <laughs> lot of be- emotions are covering the truth oh, yeah, at the beginning. For sure. Okay. Although that doesn't mean that you can work to establish a general amount of boundaries. So chores is a huge thing that people argue over. Mm-hmm. It's as silly as it seems, I feel like chores is oftentimes sort of an entryway to deeper problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe establishing you, the man does all the outside and the woman does all the inside, which by the way, that doesn't often end up very fair. Mm. Um, in our household, it is a little bit more fair than what that sounds because we have like 12 acres of land that has <laughs> right. to be taken care right. of and he does a good job of it. Um, and I don't always do the best job inside, but you know, we work, we work it out. But even establishing like you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this, um, you can sort of go back to that when you feel like your boundary is being crossed, you know? Hey, you said you would take the trash out and I don't want to feel like I'm nagging you to have to take that out every time. Because again, you don't want to become the person that's shaking your finger and telling them you need to be this way. Mm-hmm. It's the whole point of communicating originally. Right. So then at that point, it becomes each person's job to be responsible for what they originally agreed to do. Or then you're kind of asking for someone to step over your boundary if you're not bringing to the table originally what you said you would. So lots of communication, Mm -hmm. especially when the couple is dating now or engaged. For Um, sure. Asking, is it okay? Yep. Asking permission. Yes. Hey, would you like my advice on this? Would you you recommend that, Anna? Uh, Yes. You know, is it okay if I help you cook? You know, Correct. is it all right? Would you like me to help you in the yard? Exactly. Can I help you clean the house? Whatever it is. You're, you're, and you're beginning to learn where those boundaries are. Yeah. And um, because it's possible, not possible, probable, that, um, you know, a man has married um, his bride and she may already feel not too confident in her cooking skills sure. or... Mm-hmm. You know, clean the house and, yeah. you know, and he comes in and says, can I help you vacuum? And she's thinking, did I do it wrong? Right. You know? So you need to talk. 
very much about these these different boundaries you have and to. begin to establish them. If we could shift over from just husband and wife over to children, yeah. you know, children don't know their boundaries. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, from the moment that a baby comes out of the womb, they're being touched. Right. And held and, and um, completely taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so as they grow older, there's a little bit of it. It's like, aren't you supposed to take care of me 100% of the time? And then there's also the, it's normal when people touch me. Hmm. And it's really important. I'll give you an example. I had a woman who has a three-year-old or had a three-year-old little boy who, when they were out to lunch one day, a stranger to him said hey, buddy, you know, wanted to Mm -hmm. talk to him, and he did not want to talk. And basically, she kept kind of pushing this little boy to talk to her. And at some point, he slammed his hand down on the desk or the table and said, no! And the mother was like, just horrified that her son, like, yelled at this woman. And and I said, you mean your son had appropriate boundaries and you didn't Mm -hmm. support him? Wow. (laughs) Because... This little boy didn't want to talk. Right. Why do we make children hug people or kiss people or sit on people's laps or talk to people or allow people to touch them, even if it's a pat on the back? That's not okay. And I've I've seen parents discipline their children or make them feel as if there's something wrong with them mm-hmm. because they didn't want in that moment to hug this person exactly. or whatever. And th- they would say things such as, well, you know, I'm sorry, but he's in a mood right now, or right. I'm sorry, we'll talk about it when we get home. And Almost like the child has done something wrong right. because in the moment they didn't want to be hugged or picked up or whatever. Then you wonder why we get older and maybe I don't want to have sex with my husband tonight and I have to pretend I'm in a bad mood Mm. so that I don't want to have sex. Instead of just saying, babe, I'm just really not in the mood. Right. It's not going to work for me tonight. Right. And that's it. Right. You know, we assume we have to have a tantrum to not have sex Mm. or to be touched in some way. And you think that's because they did not establish those clear boundaries or communicate the clear boundaries as they were growing up, is that Correct. what you're saying? Correct. So our parents taught us we should be touched or hugged or kissed or loved whenever on. Whenever somebody else wants to. Whenever someone else wants to. We're there for their fulfillment, pleasure, whatever it is. Yes. Mm. And then you wonder why codependents grow up to basically be abused. Mm. It's just, it's a cycle. And it really does start with parenting and teaching little ones that right. they so have let, proper let's, let's boundaries. Talk about Let's get specific with the parent out there now with a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Sure. They're going through what people, you know, might define as a tough time mm. or, you know, they slam their hand down on the table because they haven't yet learned how to communicate right. their feelings or emotions other than crying or sure. slamming their hand They're down three. on the table. Right. So <laughs> what, what would you tell the mom, the dad about when strangers see them sure. at a store or a restaurant and want to hug them and they mm-hmm. don't feel like being hugged? What what do you say? So I would encourage the parents to come up with a coin phrase that works for them. Mm. I like to say to strangers, he's not wanting to give you a hug right now and that's okay. Okay. And that's it. 
Yeah. I don't have to give so an not, explanation. What I like though is the last part, and that's okay. And that's okay. Rather than saying, "Well, he's he doesn't want to hug," he's you in right a bad now. mood, like it's his fault. Right. You're saying he he doesn't want to hug right now, and that's okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's always his choice. Right. Every time. So, let me just take this a little step further, because I've been guilty of this this next part. You see, it could be your nephew or your niece, or sure. or just someone you see and you know their parents very well, a little kid. Yeah. And you say, hey, come here, give me a hug. And yeah. the child acts as if he or she doesn't really want to. Right. And you go, oh, come on, give me a hug. Mm-hmm. You know, and then again, they turn away and then you say some, oh, why are you being shy? Why are you, right. why are you sure. almost like you're doing something wrong? And then you go over and you kneel down and you hug them anyway. Right. You're saying yeah. that's violating that child's boundary. A hundred percent. Wow. You know, we're full, we're two full blown adults. You would never do that to me. That's true. Right? Absolutely. That little four-year-old is a full-blown human being. Right. Just because they don't have adult words and cognitions and thought processes and ways of communicating that doesn't mean that their boundaries aren't 100%. So let me, if, so if we took that situation that I just described, you know, a little kid and you see them and you're just trying to be sure. kind to the, the child, if we imagined the next move we make uh-huh. if this was a 30 year old right. woman or man would i say to that person give me a hug and the person says no thank you would i say oh come on give me a hug never <laughs> right. they would seem really silly right. and then you walk over to the person <laughs> and, and make you them. basically spin them around and <laughs> hug them anyway people would say you're a creep you know what's your yes. problem and we would never do that to an adult but we make that happen. With you the, could with sue the them for assault. Wow. Because it's basically simple assault. You yeah. touched me without my permission. Right. Absolutely. And so... And no I, one, I don't think the vast majority of people would ever, ever think they're doing that to a child. That's not their intent. Never. But to the child, it feels that way. Correct. Right. But they, again, don't have adult ability, an adult ability to say... I am uncomfortable with you hugging me right, right. now. I don't want to hug you. Right. They what? Tantrum. Yep. Throw a fit. And then they get in trouble. And then they get in trouble. And now they've been taught you are not allowed to have personal boundaries. And when someone wants to touch you, hug you, kiss you, give Let you them. candy, you know, pick you up, carry you around, whatever, you should allow them. And then when the girl becomes 15, 16, and a guy begins to do that to her, if she's been told a hundred different times, what's wrong with you? Correct. What's, why are you in such a bad mood? Yes. You know, why don't you want to be, all I'm trying to do is hug you. All I'm trying to do is, it's very difficult to differentiate between, yes. hey, wait a minute, how come it was, I got in trouble before, and now right. I'm supposed to establish boundaries. So we need to begin the boundary making uh, exercise when they're young. Itty bitty. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget when Joel would have gas as a little teeny baby. And I was looking to YouTube of how to help his gas. Sure. And in the video, it literally shows them saying, ask your baby if it's okay if I massage your belly right yeah. now. Yeah. And obviously he sure. can't talk to me. Sure. But just for the practice of saying, do I have your permission mm. to do this? I did it. And, and that would be true with art, homework, whatever. We as parents sometimes just go, oh, let me help you. Right. Rather than saying, would you like me to help you 
with the trees you're trying to draw. Or right. Would, would you like me to help you find the crayon? Or all you're doing, it's not that you're putting the child in charge of you. No. You're, you're teaching the child that his or her boundaries are important. Yes. Their personhood yes. needs to be respected. Correct. And you need to give permission for people to step into your life. Yes. That's going to come in handy yeah. when they're older and in school and not around you and when someone tries to touch them inappropriately or whatever they're confident they can say no a hundred percent and then you're gonna find a child who won't be taken advantage of Mm. you know we worry so much about our children going into middle school and high school and people influencing them to do things they don't really want to do well when you've established with them since the time they were itty bitty you don't have to do anything you don't want to do when it comes to you know hugs and touch and things that make you feel uncomfortable you're actually helping teach them listen to the voice inside them that says that's probably not okay for me exactly right so you know i think that would also assist them with because this is this is in the world in which i live and do everything i can to help people think correctly Mm. and to um take lies out of their you know their 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 mind and put in truth mm. so if you begin to establish these boundaries early and they only allow people to touch their body they want to touch their body they only allow people to come into their world you know um, they give permission to the same can be true of ideas the same can mm-hmm. be true when you read books. The same can be true when you hear sermons. Yes. The same can be true when you listen to polit- politicians. Yeah. I don't have to accept it just because you told me it's true. Correct. And then you start establishing an, an authentic belief system yeah. that is the foundation of where and how you grow your life. Yeah. And it starts with a child. Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. That's great. Wow, we could go on a long time with a that. A long time. Let, let, let's go to um, the second a question I had regarding boundaries in marriage. I know that there are people listening to this who are, who've been married for a number of years Mm. and they go, what you just described is what I do. And that is Mm. um, never intentionally, but manipulating somewhat my husband Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to keep him calm. Yeah. So whatever he wants to do, we do. Whether it's, you know, what we choose for dinner or what movie we see or sexuality or whatever, mm-hmm. I just give in. Yep. So what would you say to this this woman or man, it could be the, the other way around, um, they've been married for years and they've allowed this to go on. Sure. How did, you know, they didn't do it the right way when they were first married. Mm. How do they start yeah. 10 years into their marriage, 20 years into their marriage? If they were sitting in front of you, what was a couple of pieces of advice or some direction you would provide for them so i'd like to describe the interactions between them like a dance okay so imagine ask them imagine that um they are dancing and i would ask them what are some of the dance steps that they have you know describe those for me and she would say well, you know, if he says this, then I'll usually say something like this. Or if I suggest this, I notice he responds to me like this. And I'll say, well, that's the dance that you have gotten used to. And I would say what needs to happen is first a conversation to say, I notice that these are the patterns. These are the dance steps that we take. You know, we've been doing this for 20 years. It feels like breathing, but I don't like it. 
And I've realized that this piece of what I'm doing in the dance is actually causing me to suffer or feel like I'm getting my toes stepped on. And so I am wondering if we could at least practice this one thing different. You know, to try to change an entire dance routine overnight is really silly. But to just maybe identify one thing that really does bother them, whether it is being told how to clean the house or how to help our children, you know, uh, just choose one thing and say, could we practice with this one dance step first? Right. And that would work if both parties are willing to work. I spoke with someone recently and we had a long conversation. Um, It was a female and her husband pretty much controls, you know, what they eat, Mm. where they go, you know, it's not that he, he would never admit he controls it, but he would have such an attitude if they chose a different restaurant or watch a different kind of movie or even Mm -hmm. watch a different station on TV that to her, it's just not worth it. Right. It's not worth fighting. It's not worth, so she gives in over and over. She would never uh, imagine herself as being a manipulator because she's just attempting to at least live life to the best that it can be lived. (laughs) Completely get that. Okay. You know, we, we go to the same restaurant over and over again. Yeah. And I said to this person, I said, what do you want? You know, where do you want to eat? What kind of food do you want? What kind of movie? And the person, this was an older person, had lost touch with what they wanted. I was just going to say, I bet she didn't know. She didn't. So the She had to literally think about it. And I, and I said, well, you know, do you not ever have a desire to eat a certain kind of food or watch mm. a certain kind of movie? And, you know, she said, I do, but it's just not worth the argument and the fight and just goes on. Sure. How does she even begin to break? I know. Into that? It's a. T- by the way, that's a tough cycle, especially yeah. if it's forty years into a marriage. Sure. Sure. You know, they're sixty and they've been married since yeah. they were twenty, and yeah. this is just the way it went. Yeah. And when they started their marriage, it was a different society. It's true. So I would encourage her first get clear on what she really wants. Yeah. If she doesn't know what she wants, how in the world can she express to him what she wants? So just would you recommend like just sit down and just write mm-hmm. out some things that you want to do? Yes. Just journal what do you about enjoy? it. And that alone may take a couple months. Hmm. Just processing, you know, what kind it's of letting some fresh air in. Correct. A Open a window. Stale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that that way of looking at it. You just yeah. open a window and let some breeze blow in um, and you begin to rekindle who you used to be yes. or what you used to want. Mm-hmm. But here, here's here's what I've noticed when I talk with people like that. It creates a lot of pain in them yeah. because some of those things that they wanted um, and they didn't get year after year, they just allowed to die. Yeah. And then to ask them again, well, what do you want? It's resurrecting. That's right. They've got to go back and redig some of that stuff up, and that's painful. They don't. They don't want to have to look again at what they probably never will get. Correct. So one thing that I encourage people to do when they feel like they have a spouse that's not going to basically go along with what Mm -hmm. they want, is to say, then don't try to get your spouse to do what you want. Right. Start doing some of your own things. Yeah. I was going to ask you that because part of the advice I gave this person after it became very clear Mm. that this, you know, that the the spouse 
did not want to change yeah. and it would be very um, painful mm-hmm. to even express some of these wants was, hey, back to the me, becoming yes. who you are. Back know know what you want and build friendships mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. that you can go out and do these things Correct. with. And uh, if you have to go watch a movie by yourself, go watch a movie by yourself. Yes. This person right? has become so ingrained or maybe the better word, almost drowned within mm. this other person's personality yeah. that she doesn't even know what she wants. Right. And she needs to come out from underneath yes. this control yeah. of this other person and become herself again. And I don't know that she knows how to do that. Right. And, that's, and there's thousands of people like that. There are. And it's a journey. Yeah. You know, I would say, I said a couple months establishing what she wants you know, or he, yeah, because you could Absolutely. be in a con- just I've, as I've controlling relationship, yeah, the exact same way. Absolutely, the wives literally control almost everything, yeah, and he just gives up. Right, he just says, it's not worth it. It's not worth the whole night of arguing. No, nope. it's not worth a weekend where she won't talk. Right, that whole thing you were talking about earlier, you know, and it just it's not worth it. So he just says, yeah, eh, it's not worth it. Forget it. Which, by the way, couples who don't fight, that's a scary thing. Mm. Because then you found two people who it just, it's not worth it. Yeah. And that's, you can either live in that state for the rest of your life or your next step may be separation. Yeah. So. That's good. But, you know, I said a couple of months, she may spend a year just yeah. figuring out what she wants. Yeah. If it's been that l- long. L- let's jump from the marriage into sure. some other areas. Um, because. I think it's easy to see how the boundaries can be breached within a marriage, as you've described it, because you've made it very clear. What would you say? I mean, you're a business owner. Mm -hmm. You have people who work for you. Mm -hmm. You have clients that you see every day. You've obviously got boundaries in the office, boundaries with your clients. I have. Et cetera. Boundaries with friends Mm -hmm. outside the office. Mm -hmm. So what about the the pastor who is listening to this podcast Mm. now and he's not sure how to establish boundaries with people who think he's at their beck and call? Sure. If I call you on the phone, you should answer. You're my pastor. Or it could be a teacher or it could be an employee. You know, at a restaurant and every time the employer calls, he or she (laughs) thinks, I've got to jump, go to work. work Or else I'm going to get fired. Right. What sure. would you say to some people outside marriage, just establishing boundaries as adults in the world, working their jobs, their careers, et cetera? Just, I know that in and of itself is an entire book. It's a big book, question, okay? sure. But just a few things for some people mm-hmm. to go, oh, I could do that. Sure. That's a step. So as a pastor, I think the very first thing is recognizing that you are actually not responsible for every single individual in your congregation. Right. You're not. Okay, so I'm a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. I have a business. People come to me when they have a problem, they pay me for an hour of my time, and then they leave. If I said to them, call me anytime, (laughs) I would never sleep. But therapy is only one piece of a whole puzzle of their life. So true. So is being a pastor. That's right. So church is only one piece of these people's lives, which has many, 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 many pieces. And if every time they have a problem with any piece in their puzzle, they say, well, I got to call the pastor. Sure. That's a lot of responsibility on you, you know, or any pastor. Sure. That's a lot of responsibility. And I I have friends who, um, who struggle with that. 
because they, you know, they give their number to, to, to yeah. everybody. And right. if someone texts them or calls them or whatever, they've got to meet their need. And they somehow feel that they're not only the spiritual guide for this family, but they're the marriage counselor for this family. Yeah. They're there for to, to help celebrate things in this person's life, whether it's a birth of a baby, right. then the graduation, they got to show up to that. And yeah. then a birthday party for mm-hmm. their 16-year-old, they got to right. go to that. So this pastor becomes like involved in every area of this yeah. family's lives. And it's not as probably as problematic as it used to be. Right. Because culture is changing somewhat. But it, but some of that you carry with you as a person. You feel responsible. For sure. I'm getting exhausted listening to that. I'm like, that's a lot of birthday parties. <laughs> it is, you know. Yeah. Um, and when I was growing up, that was kind of expected yeah. that the pastor would show up. If you were invited, you went. And if you didn't show up, then, you know, you obviously don't care about us or... So I'm going to describe what I feel like is a healthy way to look at the service that you offer. Yeah. It's like a business. Right. And when you offer your services is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's your service time. Mm-hmm. You know, and people probably feel like, but he's my pastor. He's my spiritual leader. Right. Actually, that's not true. Yeah. He is the one who is supposed to be preparing throughout the week for a, for the service that he mm-hmm. offers you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Throughout the week, it's your job to take whatever mm-hmm. was instilled in you during that mm-hmm. time on Sunday and figure it out right. for yourself using your friends, using your spouse, using your friends. Did I just say that? Yeah. <laughs> Your friends, your spouse, any other support area of your life. Just like a therapist. Correct. You go and see a therapist for an hour. You then put what the therapist has given to you in practice the rest of the week. You don't call me 17 more times that day (laughs) to get, wait, what was it that you, what it does is then you're, and then when the congregation starts to resent the pastor or the wife or anybody else maybe on staff for not meeting all of their needs all the time, then it starts to create toxicity. Mm-hmm. And that's, I believe, how cancer can and really then, start. That's very true. Yeah. And then the pastor can become codependent. Correct. And start acting certain ways so as to keep this member happy. Yes. This family happy. That's impossible. Yeah. And then he or she, as a spiritual leader, is becoming more and more unhealthy. Yes. Because he's a codependent now. And so weighed down. Right. And yeah. depressed. But yes. then you can't say anything about right. it. Because if you act depressed, people will think something's wrong with you spiritually. Correct. And it just, that that's a whole podcast. In oh, there, so. we could go. Yeah. And maybe that should be yeah. a whole podcast. Yeah. But I will say this. I like to say this about marriage. And I can describe it in the same, we can use the same metaphor for a pastor and the congregation. When you choose to get married, you're choosing to basically share a table for the rest of your life. So I like to describe it as like a Thanksgiving table. And I'm choosing to sit at the same table with you for the rest of my life. I choose it over and over and over again. And when I come to the table, maybe I bring the candles and the decorations Mm -hmm. and the beauty of the the eating ware and Mm -hmm. I bring the schedule and maybe I bring in the people and I host and that's my, that's what I bring to the table. And maybe the other person brings to the table the meat and the potatoes and the, you know, this is the order in which we'll do things and I I bring the stability or the structure. 
my job is not to make sure you enjoy my decorations or or take in and receive the love that my decorations is being given, right? My job is to bring the decorations. Their job is not to make me eat. Their job is to bring the food. So when a pastor brings to the table what they are responsible for, which that's where the boundaries comes Mm -hmm. in, because what is actually my responsibility? then it's not my responsibility that my congregation eat what I'm putting down. That's their responsibility. Mm. And when they're not eating, it's not my responsibility to spoon feed them. Right. It's theirs. Right. So I feel like church or any sort of spiritual organization is where boundaries are probably the worst. Mm. And then therefore... Needed the most because they're so unhealthy. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It, and then it creates so much weirdness because yeah. everybody has a different perception of what everybody's responsibility is. That's so good. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing you say is that healthy boundaries go a long way with keeping you healthy. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's wrap this part up because sure. we could go on for a long time. Do, <laughs> for a do, long time. Let me ask time. you this. Do you have a... Um, and, and this is catching off guard, so you may not have, you know, I just <laughs> thought of this question. Do you have a book you recommend for this? Or mm-hmm. is there a website you would encourage people to see if they want to know more about boundaries sure. and how to explore this? You know, there could be someone listening you know, in another state. They can't, yeah. obviously can't call your office and get an appointment here with you to talk about this. What would you recommend? Or do you have something to recommend? I do. So Henry Cloud and John Townsend mm-hmm. have an entire series on boundaries. Right. Boundaries, yep. boundaries in marriage, marriage, boundaries parenting. with yeah. children, boundaries yep. with adult okay. children. So you yeah. recommend that? That's good. Definitely. Very good. All right. Hey, let's let's move on from this. I've sure. got a few personal questions as we wrap uh, this okay. podcast up today, and uh, just want to see uh, get people to get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Obviously, uh, with your success as a therapist and and years of experience, you're good at many things. But I know that there are some things Anna is not good at doing. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So so tell me something you're not good at doing. Cooking. Cooking. Okay. <laughs> I think we've established that. All right. Um, I am Unless not... you like fish sticks and macaroni Correct. and cheese. You're great. Every day. <laughs> Pizza. Okay. <laughs> Fried chicken from farm right. bread. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I'm also not a very, I'm not very domestic. Like I don't, it's taken me nearly 10 years to actually like establish some sort of routine to keep the house clean and stuff. It's just not a value. No, Yeah, it's it's just not not that big of a deal. And the reason it has become a value is because it is a value of my husband's. Okay. And he does a good job picking up the slack. Sure. And he never gets upset with me about stuff not being clean. He he needs to write a book. Right? (laughs) How to live with an undomestic wife. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be a bestseller. Wow. That's great. Well, hey, at least you're honest about that. Mm, and you know mm-hmm. what you're not good at. And I'm sure you could probably give a list of For things sure. that you're not good at. Yeah. But that's one thing that would you would you agree that you probably would not be as successful as you are in your as a therapist if it constantly bothered you that the house wasn't clean, yeah. that the food wasn't cooked and all the different things. I like to say embrace and be gloriously human. Yeah. I because love that. I know what I'm good at 
I know what I am here to contribute to society. And so if I keep beating the living crap out of myself by of all the things I'm not good at, I won't be as good at what I need to, what right. I am here to actually do That's and great. accomplish. That, that in and of itself would be another podcast yes. I would love to get into because I, I believe and know that one of the marks of a spiritually healthy person is that they are gloriously human. Yeah. Mm. And that the more you get to know God, and when God wanted to reveal himself in the clearest fashion, he became human. He became human. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's not that we become less human and more no, spiritual. No. Actually, we become, we become more human. <laughs> we embrace our that's humanity. Right. I love that. So that's that's an entire that is podcast. Great. All right. Let me, I got a few other questions here. Sure. Tell me something that is true, but almost no one agrees with you. Hmm. Ooh. That's a good question. It is. And you're probably not going to like what I'm going to say. That's okay. <laughs> But something that you believe is true, and a lot of people around you would say, eh, I don't know if I agree with that, Anna. So I'm going to go really deep, really quickly. That's fine. God is in control. Mm. I believe that that's a cliche. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that's going probably against what most Christians believe. Yeah. But I believe we're in control, hmm. and we either allow God in or we don't. So you would see it as a as a as a partnership, yes. and you can go left, right, straight, a hundred different ways, and uh, control the outcome. So let me let's use uh, boundaries with God. Yeah, yeah. God would never cross my boundaries. Mm. That's good. I am actually the pilot of my plane. Yeah. He's the co-pilot, yeah. and I either give him control or I don't. Yeah, He would never make me do something. He would never require of me and then say, or else. That's abuse. So, so God would never rape you? Never. But never. we present, I say we, <laughs> many spiritual leaders uh, present an image of God where he's going to just control your life and um, you just sit back, relax, because he's going to take you where he wants you to go. Mm -hmm. And um, there's not a whole lot you can do about it because in the end he's going to get what he wants anyway. Right. Or when people, you know, circumstances are, you feel like circumstances are out of your control. God is in control. You know, sure. you hear that a lot. Oh, yeah. Actually, I'm in control of what I can control and whatever else happens, happens. But I also do believe that God can create, when we open ourselves up to it, this is where grace and mercy mm -hmm. and spiritual like miracles happen, right? Yeah. We feel like because God can do miracles, that must mean he's in control. Yeah. But the only way that that miracle is created is because I opened myself up and had faith. So, yeah, again, good. another podcast. Yeah, you're, you're taking both lighthearted questions much I deeper. I know, I'm that's so great. sorry. No, that's where I'd love to go. I could do that all day. I know. All right, I think these will be much easier, mm -hmm. okay? All right, describe for us your best day off. Ah, oh, yes. you could be off and you could just, what's a great day for I think you? it depends on the season. Okay. If it's summer, I'm going to go to the beach. Okay. It's best day off. Um, if it's winter, I'm probably going to go to the mall so I can enjoy all of the Christmas decorations. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Um, if it's like a rainy, yucky day, I'll take myself to the movies and have mm -hmm. a movie day yeah. <laughs> just by myself. 
Okay. Um, or pedicure a day of binging on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Not real complicated. Nothing complicated. Very relaxed. Yep. Just to yourself. Definitely. Just enjoy. The By day. myself would yeah. be a good day off. Yeah. What food do you never get tired of eating? Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> And no, macaroni and but, cheese. But do you cook the spaghetti? Yes, I do. Okay. So you can eat I'm your own spaghetti. I'm an expert okay. spaghetti maker. <laughs> it's Just noodles. Box of noodles, yep. Chef Bardi. That's there it. There it is. I'm good. Eat it. All right. So Italian food. Oh, uh, any yeah, Italian, Italian food. food. I could yeah, eat yeah, yeah. all Italian food all day. Yeah, that's good. All right. One more. Okay. Okay. Uh, tell me something true about you, but people would have a hard time believing it. Hmm. Something could be a true. habit, could be a hobby, wow. could be something that you do on yeah. the side and your your clients would go, really? I didn't know that about you. <laughs> you know, just something that's true about you, but a lot of people wouldn't believe that's true. I love gardening. Hmm. Yeah, I love, um, and I like the farm. Like I love cleaning out my chicken house. My husband, you by the way, ch- would not believe that. Uh, yes, I, I do. Okay, yeah, so I enjoy being in rural like environment and doing farm like things. I like love getting muddy and dirty. This is a deeper question. Why do you think? I have a theory on that. I feel like it's connecting to God. Okay. Yeah, I really do. I think when you're connected to nature, it's His creation, and I would agree with that. Yeah. I'll tell you another angle to that. That it's something I've had to explore because I'm also that way. Not in gardening. Sure. But I like things my hands touch mm. i like food that i am able to taste and 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 smell and um i like these things and i think it is because this is just a theory i'm throwing out i live in such an abstract world of ideas mm. thoughts theories and deal with i think this is true let's try this that if i can ever get out of that and into something physical mm. that I can touch, that I can feel, that's relaxation. It's almost like changing a channel. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I love to get my hands in something because I spend so much of my day in my head. Yeah. That I like to get out of my head. That's and actually into a great explanation. That my hands can actually yeah. touch. It's simple and it, it, it produces immediate results. Exactly. Because yeah. a lot of times what I do in, in providing counseling yeah. or writing or mm-hmm. ideas or spiritual advice, I don't see the benefit of that no. for a long time. Right. You we're planting was, seeds and yeah, watering, but right. we don't know if we're ever right. going to see so, the fruit of it. Yeah. But I can cook a delicious meal yeah, and it's in immediate. about 30, 40 minutes. And wow, we can sit down and eat. That's awesome. And actually get the pleasure of that immediately. Yeah. You know, it's just That's an great. idea I love it. that I have. Okay. Well, how does someone contact you? So they can visit me at my website, which is annacoker.com. And that's with two N's. Right. A-N-N-A. And then Coker is like Coke with an R. C-O-K-E-R. Annacoker.com. And what will they find on the website? They're going to find our contact information, find out what we do, find out where we are, Mm -hmm. and be able to read about sort of our, the way in which we do counseling, et cetera. And and the different... um, um, People who are in your office providing mm-hmm. counseling, they're yes. all contacts. Everyone's there. in there. Yep. Would they set an appointment that way too? They can website? set an appointment okay. via email, which okay. they can do that through the website, or they can give us a call, which our phone number is also on the website. Right. Well, Anna, it has been a pleasure to have you. Thank today. you. Pleasure being yeah. here. And we've got a lot of other things that I want to talk with you about over the next few months. And awesome. uh, we'll set a time up and look forward get together to it and knock some of these subjects out and uh, encourage people to 
to think a little deeper. For sure. A little, little broader. Do yeah. some reading. So That sounds great. great. Well, thank you for listening to episode three of the Imperfect Leader podcast. There are hundreds of podcasts you could be listening to, and you chose to listen to this one. So thank you very much. If you enjoyed it and you found it helpful, please share it with a friend or recommend others to check it out. I want to know what you think, and I want to know how we can improve. Remember, nothing succeeds like imperfection. I'll talk with you again soon.